if you were following my messages, uh, a few weeks ago we started with something called the seasons of life, and we talked about how God interacts with our different seasons of life. We, we talked last week about the big picture of life and how it's so easy for us to get a myopic view of our own lives. We, we, we kind of boil everything down to the issues we're facing in our own lives or in our culture, and, and we lose the big picture. We lose the, the big grand narrative and story of what God is doing in the earth, and then we, we lose ourselves in that little tunnel we get tunnel vision, we lose ourselves, we lose understanding of where we are and what God's trying to do in us. And so we talked about that last week, and this week we're going to kind of continue on that. We're going we're to talk about life and how God wants us to live it from a particular perspective, and that perspective is from the tree of life. And so we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to continue to study the life that God wants to give us. So Genesis 3, we're going to go 1 through 13. And, uh, and, and I, want you to, I want you to understand that in the scriptures, that the first stories in the Bible are the first stories for a reason. They give context for the, the, entire, the entire narrative of the scriptures and God's interaction with humanity. And so let's, uh, let's pray. Um, and, and just before we read the scriptures, I want to ask you one question, right? What is the problem that Jesus came to solve? What is the problem that Jesus came to solve in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our society, in our world? It might not be what you think. It might not be exactly how you understand it. And we're going to open up the scriptures to talk about that. All right, Father, would you give us understanding? Would you give us revelation of who you are and who Jesus is? Because we're, we're unlocking your word by your Holy Spirit, you speak to us. So give us revelation, enlighten our hearts and our minds, and help us, Lord Jesus, to obey what has been revealed to us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you begin in Genesis 2, verse 9, you'll see something that helps us get context for this first story in Genesis 3 uh, of of. Adam and Eve interacting with their world. Look at, look at verse 9 in chapter 2. It says, And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to submit to you that there is a couple of different ways that we can approach life. And they are con- contrasting ways. You can approach life through the tree of life or you can approach life through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and God, in his infinite wisdom, he placed two trees in the middle of the garden and said, I want you to have as much of the tree of life as you can get. All that you want, I'm gonna provide it for you. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I don't want you to touch that. I don't want you to, I don't want you to get involved in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't want you to consume knowledge of good and evil as a way to understand who I am or to receive life. And, and so what he, what he was essentially saying was, it's too heavy for you. It's too burdensome. It's, it'll destroy you. It will ruin you. If you try to get involved in, in de- defining and deciding what is good and what is evil. And, and he said, he essentially said, I'm the judge of what is good 
and what is evil. I'm the one who can carry that. I'm the only one. You can't carry it. It's too heavy. It's too difficult for you. But as far as the tree of life, I want you to get all that you can get. And that leads us to Genesis 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? This is what the enemy of our souls will always do. Satan himself will always plant seeds of doubt in our minds. God didn't really say this, did he? This isn't really, the, this isn't really how this works, is it? Verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Look at look what the, the serpent says in verse 4. You will not surely die. So he moves from doubt, a seed of doubt, to direct denial. This isn't the way the story works. The servant said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In fact, in fact, the servant says to the woman, God's holding out on you. There's stuff that you, you, that you can have that he doesn't want you to have. There's, there's more to the story. And, and, and so he, see, he goes from doubt to denial to this, this moment where, where the, the woman, Eve, and, and Adam begin to distrust God. They distrust his motives. And so verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. Everybody say good for food. It was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. It's not like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil wasn't um, appealing. It was very appealing. It looked really good. Seemed like it could be very fulfilling. uh, We continue to go through verse 6. It says, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So, the, so Satan himself, in the form of this serpent, took advantage of her and, and used her, even her motive to be godly against her. She wanted to be like God. And so he appeals to that motive and then convinces them to disobey God. The twisting of deception It's a horrible, horrible thing that causes us to resist what God has already said, to somehow question what he says, and then to reject it full full on when we decide we want to figure it out for ourselves. That's what Adam and Eve decided. Verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Here it is, suddenly shame enters their own hearts. Shame enters their minds. It had never been there before. They'd never experienced this before. They were just naked and happy. I don't know about you, I've had four boys in my house come through my house, and we still got little boys, and I don't know what it is. They just like to run naked. They like to peel them off and just go and just, just hang out there. It's just, it's just so much fun for them. 
something about it that is sort of, when you're, when you're young and innocent, that'll come into play here in just a second as we, as we look at the tree of life. But I want you to notice what happens. It says, so they realized they were naked and they f- sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And so up to this point, God had provided everything. God had provided everything and he placed them in a beautiful environment. The Garden of Eden was a beautiful place and he'd given them everything that they needed. I mean, they had the perfect spouse, the perfect place to live. They they got the perfect job. It was the American dream. (laughs) But somehow they weren't satisfied with it. As always, with humanity. So they began to provide for themselves. They realized they were, they were naked. They felt the shame of it. They realized something is wrong, and they tried to provide for themselves for the first time. Self-provision enters the world. Verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, which we should pause here and say that probably was a, 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 a common occurrence. The implication is this, this happened in a routine manner. And here he is, he's walking in the garden and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? They were afraid. Fear has entered their hearts. Shame, fear, disobedience, distrust, all from eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, where are you? As if he didn't know. Verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Verse 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? One of the best questions in the Bible. Who told you you were naked? How do do you know about that? How do you know about nakedness? If I could pause here and just ask you to Consider whose voice you're listening to. God is essentially saying, who have you been listening to? You didn't get that from me. Who are you listening to to define you? Who are you listening to to make sense of this world? And, he, and it's the wrong person. They've listened to the wrong person. And so he says, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? In other words, he's saying, who are you listening to? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Now notice, he's implying not just that it's the woman's fault, but that it's God's fault. Hey, 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 you did this. You gave me this woman. He blames the woman, but by, by implication, he's saying, this is your fault. Man, so many people in our day are blaming God for things. That are, that are not his fault, that are our fault. And we have to understand the story. See, what we're doing is here, we're unlocking the story, the narrative to make sense of our world and to make sense of what we believe and why we believe it. And so here it is in verse um, 12, he says, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, 
the serpent deceived me. So she blames the serpent and she says, I ate. And then from here, God begins to describe everything that's unraveling in our world and everything that's going to happen to the ground, to, to the serpent himself, to the way of life as they had known it. Everything begins to change. And they begin to function under the curse that has been brought by disobedience, disregard for God's way and his instruction. And so it's, it's, it's such an important story and I want to suggest to you that we look at life through the lens of the tree of life or we look at life through the lens of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I want you to see these two trees. I've got just three points under each one here. And we look at the tree of life and we we have to understand that Adam and Eve had a way of, of seeing and knowing and living that we do not. They were living in a perfect world, this perfect dream world, God providing everything that they needed. And in some way, the spiritual world was connected in a very unique way to the physical world. Thus, the serpent is speaking under the influence of Satan and they can see a tree of knowledge. How do they see a tree of knowledge of good and evil? There's something that's different in their world. Everything's more integrated than our world. And I believe that what Jesus came to do was to push those worlds back together to help people understand that we live in a truly spiritual realm and that, that our physical realm should interact with our spiritual realm in a way that God designed it. And so many Christians, so-called Christians, they, they live in a way that separates sacred from secular. They do their... their religious duty, as it were, and they have church and they have this experience with God, but then it doesn't have direct implications to the rest of their lives. It doesn't guide the way they do their job. They just, they, they do their job according to the world's way. It doesn't have direct implications to the way they live out their marriage, right? It, it's separate somehow. And the spiritual things that they believe are are not influencing the natural way of life that they're living, the physical way of life that they're living. And I think what Jesus has wanted and and tried to do when he came, when 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 he conquered death and life came into our world again, he put these things back together. And he said, I want you to be whole and I want you to acknowledge that your spiritual life and your natural physical life interact all the time. They they feed back to one another. there, There are miracles that can happen in your physical life because of what you believe in your spiritual life. There's healing involved in the natural realm that actually is part of what Jesus has done in the spiritual realm. And, and so we don't separate these things. We, we bring them together in Christ himself who lives in us. We are truly spiritual beings who, have, uh, who live in a human tent or a human frame for about 70 or 80 or 90 years. And, 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 but, but God's plan is that we will live forever and we will get a new body, which the older I get, the more I'm looking forward to 
They interacted with both these worlds. The second thing I want you to see is that Adam and Eve were defined and sustained by the breath of God. They were made of dirt and God's life-giving force. He breathed life into them. If you, if you look at the story, he breathed life into them and then allowed them to eat of the tree of life. That they could eat of this tree of life and God's life was, um, was sustaining them and they were defined by it. The life in them actually made them who they were. They were, they were dirt and clay, but the thing that made them who they were was God's life being poured into them. That's what defined them. That's what, sus that's what sustained them. That's what's supposed to sustain, sustain us today. Sadly, we are sustained and defined by so many other things. So here we are. Number three, the tree of life was to be consumed and enjoyed. They could have, it, they could have all that they wanted. The provision of God was endless. Endless. They could have all the fruit that they wanted from the tree of life, constant state of breathing in life and then feeding on it, a constant state of life going into them and then flowing out of them as they interacted with the world. Do you see it? That's what God desires for you and me. But of course, the, the characteristics of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil are more problematic. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when we look at it and we start unpacking what it is, here's a good illustration to help us understand what it is and what happened. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is kind of like losing your glasses. It's like losing your glasses. I don't know about you, I've got glasses, I'm, I'm nearsighted and I'm farsighted now that I'm this age, <laughs> right? I can't read things this close and I can't see the things far away, so, so I'm starting to have reading glasses in all kinds of different places, in my car and in my, in my bedroom, and then I want because I don't want to lose my glasses. I hate losing my glasses. Because what happens when you lose your glasses? You can't see. And when, then, so the first problem is you lose your glasses. But the second problem is, now follow me, you lose the way to solve the first problem. Not only have you lost your glasses and you can't see, now you've lost the way to find your glasses. What you have to understand about the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is what was happening was Adam and Eve were disconnecting from the source of life, but they chose, here's what they chose, they chose knowledge as the way to get life. So they chose they chose the wrong thing. It's, it's not as if um, knowledge wasn't appetizing, right? It says, the scripture says it was desirable. It looked good for food. It was, there was a certain amount of fulfilling uh, sort of satisfaction to it, right? And the knowledge of good and evil, it kind of tastes good. And, but as a way, here's, here's the point, as a way to get life, it is broken. It is destruction. It is impossible Wielding the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil is poison. It, it destroys us. And make no mistake, it's not just the knowledge of evil that can kill you. We kind of think, oh yeah, it's the knowledge, all this evil thing. No, actually, the tree was the knowledge of good and evil. Both branches, good and evil, produce death. Even the knowledge of good produces death. The knowledge of good, I mean, if we look at history, we can see how people who believe they know the right thing 
and they believe the good thing and they want people to do the good that they think they should do, historically we've seen it over and over again in all kinds of religions, people imposing their view of good on people in a tyrannical way, in a, in a, a fashion that, in, that, that forces them into it and destroys them as a result. The knowledge of good and evil is death. That's what the Bible teaches. Verse three, I'm sorry, number three, point number three, they didn't just break a rule, they brought death into the place where life belongs. The, the message of the good news to many of us has kind of sounded like this. Like, um, I'm I, 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 God was disappointed with you because you broke a rule. And because you broke this rule, you now deserve to die. And so Jesus came and gave his life in our place, and so now you should give your life back to him. <laughs> okay, that has a, it kind of sounds a little bit like the good news, but it doesn't feel like very much good news. There's a lot of shoulds in there. Jesus doesn't want you to have a bad case of the shoulds. You should do this, you should do that. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What I want to suggest to you is that the good news in the gospel is, is that you were incapable of living and death was in us and he's breathing life into where death was and you're exchanging the way you think things should be for the way he thinks things should be. In fact, repentance is acknowledging, okay, God has a way of life that is so fulfilling and so satisfying and so rich, and that's the life he wants to give you and me. And instead, we think we can define for ourselves the way life should work, and we can decide between what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong, and we get into that business and it becomes destruction to our very hearts and our lives. Shame comes into the picture. Hiding, fearfulness comes into the picture. We're afraid of certain things. There's judgment. Judgment begins to come into the picture because we start judging other people because they're not doing as good as us. They need to start doing better. They need to do the right thing. Condemnation. Condemnation either goes out or it goes in. We condemn other people because we think they should do a certain thing or we beat ourselves a bloody pulp with how we realize how shamed we are, what failures we are. We want to be good, but we can't be good enough. That's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Pride in comparison is also the fruit of the tree because you're comparing yourself to everybody else. You're measuring these things out. It is nothing but death. So living in the two trees, here's how it works. The tree of life produces something. It produces innocence. There's something that happens when you decide, I'm going to live out of the tree of life. Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, if you want to receive the kingdom of God, you have to become like a seminary professor. No, he didn't say that. He said, you really got to be intelligent and smart in order to get the kingdom of God, just in order to understand it, in order to receive it. No, he said, if you want to understand the kingdom, you've got to become like little children. You've got be, to come to him in innocence and openness and honesty and vulnerability. You've got to allow him 
to speak. Jesus came to represent this on the earth. He came with miracles. He came with healing. He came describing himself as the bread of life. The tree of life in Genesis 3 is a foreshadowing. It's a picture of Jesus himself as the bread of life, as the tree of life, as the living water he calls himself. If you look at the overarching narrative of the scripture, you see a tree of life at the beginning in Genesis and you see a tree of life at the end in Revelation. And, And they both produce healing for people. Jesus is in the middle, tying them together, helping us understand what Jesus is doing in the earth is he's bringing life to us where death reigned. He's taking the dead places of our life and he's making them new. He's giving us life. And so what happens is humility is the only way to respond because he's giving us everything. Simplicity. Life becomes pretty simple. It's just letting him in. It's letting him have his way and have his say. It's an attitude that is light and trusting of him. It's believing he's the provider. It's peace. It's joy. It's love for people. It's allowing the life of God to flow through you. And and the result is the fruit of the Spirit and 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 the gifts of the Spirit. Holy Spirit is flowing through you. Jesus, his life is flowing through us. And we're embracing him and, and allowing him To fill us where death once reigned, now life is coming out and we're we're breathing in and we're breathing out his life and interacting with our world. When 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 you're embracing the tree of life, you're open to others. There's fruitfulness in your relationships because you're encouraging, because you're living your life for others. You're willing to lay your life down. You're not, you're not, judgmental and, and comparative and you're, 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 not, you're not harsh and mean, you're, you're grace-filled and forgiving. You, you approach life with a wide-eyed wonder and you, you invite other people into your journey. Here's, what Jesus, here's how Jesus described it. He said, are you tired? Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He said, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live. You'll learn what real life looks like. You'll learn to live lightly and freely. Jesus himself is the tree of life. And there's something that we can look at life through this lens. We can look at life through this context of the tree of life or we look at it through the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Jesus himself faced this when the religious leaders brought him a, a woman caught in adultery and they threw, them, threw her down at his feet. And when he, they threw her down at his feet, they said, the law says that this woman is caught in adultery, she should be stoned. What do you say? Jesus was so brilliant because was, was, they were trapping him. You know, if you say she doesn't need to be stoned, then you're soft on the law. If you say she has to be stoned, then we got you. Jesus was so brilliant, he said, yes, she should be stoned. So whoever is without sin, go ahead and throw the first one. Go ahead. The Bible says that one by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they all drop their rocks. And then he 
He knelt down and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? And she said, they're, they're gone. And he said, go and leave your life of sin. Go and leave your life of sin. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus accepted her just as she was, right there in that moment. And in fact, he protected her from being destroyed by the knowledge of good and evil. See, that's his job. That's what he wants to do. He wants to, he wants to protect us from this, these forces that will destroy us because, because we are not able to live in a way that is good according to the, the biblical standards or according to almost anybody's standards. It's very difficult for humanity to do this. And so she, she is uh, in, a, in a desperate situation and he says, all right, I accept you just as you are. Now, I want you to leave your life of sin. Notice Jesus always accepts people as they are, but he doesn't always accept their behaviors. Right? So, but the tree of life says it's not really about behavior. The tree of life says it's about coming to me. And then we'll work on it. We'll walk, on, walk it out together. Right? The, the tree of life is an inside job. It gets planted in you. Jesus comes into your life, and he brings life where death once was. And then he starts working his way out into our behaviors. Some people, it takes longer than others. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's the process of life leading our lives and directing our lives. This is an important idea, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil creates victimization. I want you to write that in there in your message notes. It doesn't create innocence. It creates victimization. It creates you becoming an expert in right and wrong. We, become, we either victimize other people or we become victims ourselves of our own way of thinking. We become so angry at others because they're not doing what we think they should do. Or we become angry at ourselves and we turn on ourselves. And we, be we become so judgmental and condemned in our own hearts and our lives. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil starts to create blame. It creates bitterness. It creates criticism. It creates judgment. Jesus wants us to remember that he's the judge. Now listen, the hardest thing we do as a community is help people evaluate sinfulness and repentance. It's, the, it's, it's, it's so, and I, I don't think we should relish that process. I think it can only happen. We can only hold up a mirror to one another as in, in the attitude of the tree of life and help people see how, how messed up they really are. But we can't do anything to change them or fix them. It is only Jesus that can put life where death was. So, so there's, a, there's a process here. I, what do you, it kind of sounds like you're saying, Pastor Ross, that you can just let people live any old way you want to. Well, I'm not sure I can do anything else but that. I can force people to live like Jesus wants them to. I got a steady stream of people walking into my office that I wish they'd do what I tell them to do, but they don't. Listen, you can't, you, you can't force anybody to do this. But the tree of life, here's the way it's supposed to look. The tree of life is so fulfilling, so wonderful. We have to live that out so that people see it and it's more appetizing than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, honestly, the truth is, the truth is religion 
is often a, the, the horrible culprit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The church, big C church, becomes experts in deciding good and evil, and I think are eating from the wrong tree. Do I, do I think we should not study? No, we should study the scriptures. But here's the problem. When you study the scriptures thinking it will bring you life, that's, when you study to be an expert in what's good and what's bad, that doesn't work. Look at what Jesus said to the religious leaders himself, John 5, 39. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. <gasps> They're reading through the Bible. They know it backwards and forwards. They're really, they, I mean, they've, they've internalized it. It's so good. But if, but if the law becomes the way to life, it doesn't work. It destroys you. And you need somebody to rescue you, which is why Jesus came. And so even, even the knowledge of good can kill you, and you want to be right. And often, I mean, we can do all kinds of things in the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know you can read your Bible from the tree of life? You can read from the tree of life and just receive newness of life. You can receive all the mercy of God, even in the Old Testament. I know, shocking. And you can, you can see where God was so merciful and he's trying to make his way to communicate to his people. And you can see it page after page and you're, you're, you're reading from the, the, the context of the tree of life. Or you can read it from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you can start reading through it and you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm, yep. I know, Joe and Sally, that's really, they're, they're having, man, they're, they're having trouble. Lord, you need to help them. <laughs> and you pray it, but subtly you stand in judgment on them. They're in trouble. Their lives are out of whack. Sometimes it works like this. You're reading the Bible and you're like, hey, I'm reading the Bible every day. I read it on my YouVersion app. And my version app, I, I read it, and when I finish a day's daily reading, a little check mark arrives, and that check mark feels so good. <laughs> I read my Bible today. How come you don't read your Bible every day? You know, you should read your Bible every day. The Bible says you should read it every day. You really need to read it. If you were a good Christian like me, you would read it every day. And before you know it, you have become the arbiter of good and evil in reading your Bible. And you've taken something that's supposed to have life in it, but now it has only death. The only life that there is is in Jesus. This is the picture that I want you to see. And the result of living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the works of the flesh. In other words, I'm trying to be good enough. I'm trying to be better or demonic opportunity. In other words, we open ourselves up to all kinds of crazy ways of thinking because we insist on our own way. We insist on our own perspective. We insist that this is the way the story actually is. We don't believe this grand narrative. We believe the story that we're living. We get a myopic view of life. We get a closed down view of life. We begin to be cynical about everybody and everything. We don't, we're not trusting anymore. We're closed off. We're, we become a know-it-all. We become comparative in holiness. She's holy. He's holy. He's, she's not holy. Not as holy as me. I'm not as holy as I should be. Ugh. <laughs> it's a killer. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a killer. 
And so we have to avoid it. You, when we serve others, if we serve people, you can serve people from the tree of life or you can serve people from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can get on one of these teams here at Team One, and you can be like, man, I just love serving people. Jesus is working in me, and it's just such a, 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 a it revitalizes me. I just, it's such a privilege to serve people and take care of them. I feel Jesus working through me. I mean, it's hard work and all, and I got to get up early, but, I, but I, it's really a blessing. And I'm receiving the blessing of helping and serving other people. Or you can... Be on a team in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, Pastor Ross, I guess said I should. I should get on a team. All right, I'll get on a team. Oh, man. This is a pain. And my leader, what an idiot. He's just, he's a, the team leader just doesn't know what he's doing. I could do better than him. And you begin to serve or you, and, and you begin to complain or be critical or it goes the other direction. I can do this. I can serve people, and you start doing things to serve people to get God's approval. Somehow to get meaning for your life, you're serving. And you're, you, what you're doing is you're just living according to the, you're serving according to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It doesn't work. It destroys us. The way we raise our kids, really problematic, because we start very early going, now this is right, and this is wrong. This is, this, okay, this, do this, don't do this. What we should do while we're doing that, while we're raising our kids, and make sure that like God with us, we are relating to them with love and affection and acceptance as we train them in their behaviors. But it's not about their behaviors. Jesus didn't die for us for behavior modification. We're not trying just to modify our kids' behaviors. We are trying to help them move from death to life. We're trying to help them see who real life is. We're trying to help them know that they are loved and embraced and accepted. And, and, and no matter what they do, you're going to love them and God's going to love them. But he has a plan. He has a grand narrative and it's to give them a great and satisfying and fulfilling rich life. Eating from the tree of life is so much better than the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what is it that Jesus came to solve? What's the problem? Jesus came to reconnect us to the source of life. That's what we're doing here. He's reconnecting us to the source of life. That's why you spend time with Jesus every day. That's why, we, that's why we read the scriptures. We're connecting to him. Life is coming from him. We're breathing him in and breathing him out, then interacting with our world. And the problem is we come and, and we're, we're like, we're missing something. We're empty in our lives and we're trying to fill our lives with something, but we're filling our lives with the wrong thing. There's only one satisfying Thing that you can embrace. There's only one person who can fill the void that is inside of our lives. And when we're without, we find something to replace that void. His name is Jesus. And it's the only way to freedom. It's the only way to life. There's got to be a, a reconnecting to that source because the, the way to life only comes through Christ. We are sustained and defined by the very breath of God. We become the people who live in the life that he's giving us. And then it starts pouring out of us to others. Close your eyes and bow your head. I want the Lord to speak to you, the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I wonder if you just let him point out the place where you might have been eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Maybe for you, religion has been about doing good and avoiding something bad. 
but you found yourself almost incapable of doing it. Or you've tried to do really good things, but the gnawing emptiness continues. Maybe you, you just realize um, you've been living according to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because <laughs> you're condemned. You feel the condemnation of not measuring up. And you're realizing you might not have even embraced the real good news or the gospel message of Jesus because you just, you only see the world through the lens of right and wrong instead of life and death. What Jesus is offering is relationship versus religion. What Jesus is offering is his grace and his mercy and his love. And then he begins to work on things in us. But you can't do it yourself. And as we come to the Lord's table, I want to encourage you to see it as an opportunity to come and to feed on the life that God has provided for you. To be nourished with the bread of life. Jesus himself, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup and after he'd given thanks, he, he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink it, remember me. He wants you to come back to him today. Stop trying to live in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Maybe you're trying to control relationships. You're trying to make people do what you want them to do. It doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. Come back to the author of life and then allow him to satisfy you. Breathe him in and breathe him out and let him begin to walk with you and heal your life. So Lord, we let you in. We ask you to heal us and cleanse us and forgive us for living with an insistence to do our own thing, go our own way. Lord, we ask you to come and put life where death has been. Come to the dead places of our own lives and, and bring your resurrection power. We thank you for this and we receive it in Jesus' name.